Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Andrea Pacini. Of course you want to be yourself, but authenticity is often used as an excuse for not changing, for not improving. So this is not about becoming somebody else. Of course, you don't want to be Steve Jobs or Oprah. That, that's not the point. You need to be yourself, but you want to become the best authentic version of yourself. Hi there, and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name is Bob Gentle, and every week I speak with incredible people who share their secrets to building, marketing, and monetizing your expertise intentionally growing a unique personal brand and the mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then while you still have your device in your hand, take a second to subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode. And if you're a regular listener or viewer, consider sharing the show with just one person. It's the very best way you can help the show grow and help me reach more people. And if you are watching on YouTube, hello, I value you more than the listeners. I'm joking, but do take a second to subscribe, hit the button on YouTube and also like and comment because YouTube likes all that stuff. So this week we're talking presenting and presenting, speaking or pitching are the bread and butter of successful leadership. And whether you are pitching investors, prospects, or just sharing with your own team, your clients, presentation skills are often the deciding factor in your success. And if what's in your head matters to you, Your ability to communicate that is what matters to other people. It's what creates audiences and fans. So how can you level up your presenting? I'm glad you asked. And here to help me answer that is Andre Pacini, author of The Confident Presenter. Andre, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Thank you very much. I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation. First off, podcaster, rookie mistake. Did I get your name right? Because I forgot to confirm it. You did. You did. You know what? Many people ask me because when I moved to the UK, Andrea, as I understand, is not a typical name for 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 guys. And 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 so I'm used to even receive receiving emails like dear Mrs. Pacini. <laughs> so it's okay. No, you, you, you pronounced it well. Thank you very much, Bob. Andrea then. Andrea, welcome to the show. So I have a lot of questions. You have a book coming out, The Confident Presenter. I've been lucky enough to have a good bit of time with it, and I have lots of questions. And I think this topic is very relevant for me right now. Anybody who knows me knows this. And I think it's going to hit home with a lot of listeners and viewers. But for those people meeting you for the first time, can you maybe just start by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what an ordinary day looks like? What do you actually do? Sure. I'm the head of a company called Ideas on Stage UK. I'm in London and I'm a presentation coach. And Bob, the the reason why I'm so passionate about presentation skills, public speaking, is because when I was a little kid growing up in Italy, I grew up in a family of very small business owners. My parents have always been running their own very small business together. They still do. And so as a kid, I saw the challenges because raising four kids while trying to run a business is not easy. But I also saw in them their spark, their entrepreneurial mindset, their proactive approach to life. And so that's why I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, to run my own thing. Now, in reality, 
I don't know about you, Bob, for me, that remained a dream for a long time because before doing what I do now, I tried many things, I started many projects, all of them failed. But it was useful because in that process, what I realized was that there are so many great ideas that fail, not because of the ideas themselves, but just because of the way we present them. And that's why, to cut it short, then I started my own journey towards learning effective communication. And then eventually, that's why I became a presentation coach. That's why, Bob, my mission is to stop great ideas from failing just because of the way we present them. My mission is to help hundreds of thousands of business leaders share their message so they can grow their business, increase their influence, and make a positive impact in the world. I think you really hit the nail on the head for me that a great idea is a great idea. But if that great idea doesn't reach the people who need it, then it's not a business. And therein lies the problem. A lot of people have great ideas and they can achieve a level of success with those great ideas. But uh, uh, there reaches a point where you stagnate or you reach a plateau. And there's the sole Zig Ziglar quote of, I don't know if it was him, but if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And if you want to level up, something has to change. And a lot of the time, this is going to be how you communicate. It's not necessarily what you do, but it's how you tell the story about that and who you tell the story to. That has to change. It has to change both in terms of scale. It has to change in terms of the confidence, the number of people that you reach and the people that you reach. If you want to make more money, is another Zig Ziglar quote, if you want to make more money, you need to solve bigger problems or the more people you can help have what they want, the more you can have what you want. I can't remember what it was, but at the end of the day, we're talking about your ability to communicate is what will dictate your success. Two people can have exactly the same product. The one who can communicate better is going to win. And that's why I was really excited to speak to you about the book. So for the listener who hasn't had any time to read the book, the book is coming out. What's the date? July the 18th. So if you're listening to this, it's either going to be just before or just after that date. So you can either pre-order on Amazon or you can get a copy. We're going to spend a lot about what's in the book, but for the listener, what's the basic premise of the book? What can they expect? Let's get that out of the way and then we can play. The basic premise is that there's a bit of a misunderstanding. So the title of the book is Confident Presenter. And if we talk about confidence in presenting, a lot of people immediately assume that we are talking about your delivery skills. So things like eye contact, body language, gestures, posture, the way you use your voice. Whereas my book is not about that. Mm. And there is a reason for that. Now, these things are important. We do work on these things when we work with our clients, but your delivery skills are not the most important factor. In my experience, Bob, 80% of your confidence comes from two things. Number one, preparation and familiarity. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching a video on Instagram where Kobe Bryant was giving an interview. And one of the questions was, how is it possible that you look so confident when you are on the court? And he says to the interviewer, well, the reason why you see me so confident is because when you see me doing certain things, I've done those things a thousand times before. And he says, confidence comes from preparation. And he's right. 
if we think about public speaking, presenting is the same thing. It comes from preparation. It comes from familiarity. The more we do certain things, the more confident we become at doing those things. And it also comes from your ability to develop a compelling message without a story that resonates with the audience, without a message which is simple for the audience to understand, clear for them to follow, relevant to them, engaging. Without that, it doesn't matter how good you are from a delivery perspective. So apart from a couple of chapters where I do talk about, for example, the importance of rehearsing, which is a delivery skill, I also I just have one chapter where, where we talk about presentation design, slide design, but 90% of the book is about your ability to craft a captivating message. So I'm going to confess something to you. I have a problem every time I think about, okay, I need to give a presentation. I want to do some public speaking. What am I going to talk about? And what unfolds is, let, let's say we were talking about the personal brand business. I would end up with the unified holistic theory of the personal brand business. It would be a metaphysical journey that would just blow your mind. It would be impossible to communicate and I would become paralyzed by the scale of the project because I want to change somebody's life in one presentation. It makes perfect sense to me. I can see why this is really, really important, but this is not what's needed. So how do I go from the unified theory of everything to what I actually need to talk about today? How do I simplify that? How do I prioritize? How do I distill it down to what I actually need to present? Bob, this is what you've described is perhaps the, the biggest challenge the biggest problem in communication, which is the curse of knowledge, which is our inability to imagine what it means not knowing what we know. It's mm. our inability to put ourselves in the audience's shoes. And that happens because normally we're talking about, if, if you think about business owners, business leaders, people who are very good at what they do, they know their stuff, they have experience, they have expertise. And so they know so much about their subject, like in your case, personal branding, for example, they are so close to it that they think that everything is important. And so we think that we need to communicate everything, but we need to understand that if everything is important, then nothing is important for the audience. If everything is important, then nothing is. For example, if we think about writing, so you talked about, you asked about how can I simplify my message? Now, if you think about writing, books, articles, blogs, emails, all experienced writers know that the secret to great writing is not in what they say. It's in what they don't say. The more they remove, the better the article or the better the book, the better the email. And the same is true with our presentations. So, for example, one I'll give you a practical tool that, that you our listeners can use if you want to simplify your message. Try to think about your next presentation. Try to summarize the core idea behind that presentation in maximum 70 words. That's it, 30 seconds. I can promise you, if you can communicate your message in that time, then you can communicate it in more time. If not, your message isn't simple enough. And if you get stuck, if you don't know what to say, then consider following this format. What, so what, what next? What, so what, what next? What does that mean, Bob? 
So first of all, we want to tell the audience the what. What's the key takeaway? What's the one thing they need to understand? What's the one thing they need to remember? What's the one thing they need to take away after your presentation? That's important, but it's not enough. That's another very common mistake. We often stay at the what level. The audience doesn't know something and we tell them something. Okay, but it's not enough. We need to go down. So what? That's the crucial question. So what? Why should they care? Why is your message important and relevant to them, to your audience? We need to tell them. And then what next? Okay, now that they care, now that they understand why this is important to them, what do you want them to do after your presentation? Or at least, what do you want them to think, to believe, to feel after your presentation? And that's one way you can simplify your message. Remember, you can create a paragraph, maximum 70 words, that follows this format. What? So what? What next? I, I saw that framework in the book and I really liked it. I love frameworks because it 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 gives you something to just fill up. You're never starting with a blank page. And I think that's the problem that a lot of people have is it, it, creativity. It, it often stifles on a back on a blank page. And once you have a framework like the what, so what, and so what next, people can fill those blanks up quite easily. I guess another question I have is you mentioned, no, you didn't mention it, but I, I, I certainly have experienced it. You can be very confident in some situations, put yourself in other situations, and suddenly the heart starts going. The stakes suddenly seem very high, and you really, really worry about what everyone thinks of you. And one of the things that you spoke about in the book was the idea of authenticity. And I really liked what you brought to that concept of authenticity, because it wasn't a perspective that I've seen before. Do you maybe want to speak to that a little bit? So, in the book, I talk about something I, it's just my, the way I look at it. And when it comes to authenticity, when we work with our clients, Bob, we often tell them to, for example, what we suggest that they use storytelling for example, in their even business presentations or that they use analogies or they use the right mix of logic, so facts and figures and emotion. You, you also need to touch the emotional part of people's brain. We suggest that from a delivery perspective, they use hand gestures because they make them more dynamic, that they, they make sure that they have a good eye contact with the audience, all of these things. And they say, you know what? I don't want to do these things because it's not me. It's not, it doesn't feel authentic. I want to be authentic. I want to be myself. And of course you want to be yourself, but authenticity is often used as an excuse for not changing, for not mm -hmm. improving. So this is not about becoming somebody else. Of course, you don't want to be Steve Jobs or Oprah. That, that's not the point. You need to be yourself but you want to become the best authentic version of yourself. So, for example, if your friend's new baby, if you think that your friend's new baby is ugly, then would you tell them because you just want to be authentic and you just want to be yourself? That's what you think and that's what you say. No, right? You would say, 
that the baby is beautiful. So there are situations where it's not really about being authentic. We were having exactly this conversation, Bob, a few days ago. I had the huge privilege of interviewing for, for our podcast, the Ideas on Stage podcast, Seth Godin. Just a few days ago, I interviewed Seth Godin. I saw that. And we were talking about authenticity. And he said, instead of focusing on authenticity, we should be focusing on being professional. Instead of being authentic, you want to be professional. Instead of authenticity, you want to pay attention to what works. And instead of authenticity, you want to pay attention to empathy, the empathy to imagine what story would resonate with the audience. That's how I look at things when it comes to authenticity. I think what I really liked in the book, and I agree with everything you said, but the idea that really arose for me was, on the one hand, acceptance, and on the other hand, the aspiration to be better. And I think when you bring the two together, that is a an aspirational authenticity. I think one of the things that a lot of people are held back by is imposter syndrome. And there is no cure for imposter syndrome other than acceptance, but acceptance can often lead to fatalism. So it needs this flavor of, I, I can be better. And if you can blend those three elements together, then you have movement. And I think that's what I really liked about what you brought there. I agree, Bob. I agree 100%. Um, I think, yeah, too many people use imposter syndrome as an excuse. And a lot of people will use ambition as an excuse, but actually it requires all of those elements. One of the things that I've experienced with speaking is, it's not, I'm going to second guess myself a little bit, is the physiological response to being on stage or even in front of a small group of people sometimes. These days, it doesn't bother me so much. And I think that's kind of where we're probably going to end up going. But a lot of people, if they've never done any presenting, the idea of being in front of a group of people presenting, they probably already have a physical reaction to this. What do you say to that physical reaction? And what is the antidote? I think I know the answer, but... Let's see. Let's see. I I say that, first of all, if you... I'm talking, I'm talking to our listeners, Bob. If you have fear of public speaking, if you feel a bit of anxiety and nerves, then you are not alone. I don't know, you were talking about a quote from Zig Ziglar. Apparently, Mark Twain is supposed to have said, maybe never said it, but you never know with these quotes, but the quote makes a lot of sense. That he said that there are only two types of speakers, those who get nervous and those who are liars. <laughs> so if somebody tells you, oh, I get up on stage, I speak in public, I feel nothing, I'm not 100% sure. Like, look, Bob, I, I'm a presentation coach. I speak in public all the time, every day. We help me and my colleagues, others do the same. But before a presentation, I always feel nervous. Of course, there are different levels of, of anxiety, but I always feel nervous before a presentation. So that's the first thing I would say. It's normal. A brain, due to evolution, finds it very hard, if not impossible, to distinguish between a tiger attacking us and a group of people looking at us. So, so that's something that we need to understand. Now, what do we want to do in practice? First, I'll give you some small practical things we can do that can help 
but there i can tell you already that they're not going to help unless we do one thing and that's the most important thing so a few practical things one is drinking water now when you get up on stage one of the you were talking about physiology one of the physiological reactions is dry mouth we often get dry, a dry mouth so if we drink water before a presentation that helps you can also have some water like i've got here just in case it happens i've got some water why not then movement movement is also very important when we before a presentation we have a lot of surplus or excess energy and we want to take it out and the best way to do that is to move. So if you are waiting, for example, to be called at a conference or whatever your context is, rather than waiting on your seat, then if you can have a walk, even better, if you can walk outside a little bit, that helps. Movement, super powerful. Breathing. Breathing is also very powerful. Something I always do before a presentation is this. I take just a few seconds to breathe in through my nose and I count to four. And then I breathe out through my mouth and I count to six. And when you breathe out, if you make it longer than when you breathe in, it helps you relax. It's also important that we breathe with a belly, not with a chest. A lot of people breathe with a chest. And that is useful if you do sport or when you panic, <laughs> that's, that's panic breathing. It's useful in certain situations, but not when you're speaking in public. So we need to learn to breathe with a belly if we want to relax. Another thing you can do is you can, if it works for you, you can interact with the audience from the very beginning. If you include a moment of interaction with the audience right from the start, it puts the attention away from you as the presenter and back to the audience. So you see, there are many little things that we can do that will help. However, they're not going to help unless we rehearse. Confident presenters, great presenters always rehearse their presentations. And rehearsing doesn't mean that we need to think about what to say. A lot of people think that if they look at their slides and on each slide they think, okay, here I'm going to talk about this. Here I'm going to talk about that. That's not rehearsing. That's a practice session, which is important. It's not enough. Rehearsing means repeating your presentation out loud, not in your head, out loud from the very beginning to the very end without stopping as if there is a real audience in front of you. And you want to do that enough times for you to be able to internalize your message. You don't have to memorize it, but you need to internalize it. You need to know exactly what to say and when. And the best way to overcome public speaking anxiety is to know what you're talking about. And the best way to know what you're talking about is to rehearse. I absolutely agree with you. I think that there is a truth that all of those things that you described will help. And I think I, I know a lot of speakers, presenters, speakers, pre speaking is simply another form of presenting. It's, it's, I think there's, there's the sliding scale from the corporate presentation all the way through to professional speakers and everything in between. And I know like a lot of professional speakers and I've asked them about their process of preparing for a talk and it's exactly as you described there. They'll spend probably a couple of months crafting the presentation. And then they'll spend a, a month in rehearsal rooms going through the, the, the talk in order that it is internalized. Obviously, like you described, they're not learning it like you would learn the lines for a play, but they're making it very natural. But I think for me, the key element, and for me, this was the biggest release, is everything's difficult until it's not. 
And there is only one way that you can get from something being difficult to something not being difficult, and it's by doing it. And I'll tell you a story. I worked in search and rescue for probably 15 years nearly, and I had finished all of that. And I'm looking at, okay, I need to start doing some video marketing. I was terrified. It was completely paralyzed. And I'm paralyzed. I was paralyzed by that the same way I'm honestly a little bit paralyzed by the idea of public speaking now. And I was talking to myself and thinking, hold on a moment. You were perfectly happy dangling under a helicopter, hanging by your fingernails off a cliff at three o'clock in the morning in a storm with a helicopter buzzing above and doing things that other people would find terrifying and actually kind of enjoying it. Why can't you make a YouTube video? And I realized the way that we train people in search and rescue is a process of gradual desensitization. We need to bring exactly the same thing to, for me then, it was the idea of being on camera, now to public speaking. If something terrifies you, it's only terrifying because you haven't been acclimatized to it or desensitized to it. So in a speaking situation, Yes, you can rehearse, but maybe you can start small. Um, if you were going to be a professional tennis player, you're not going to start in the Grand Slam. You're going to start with local matches or maybe just a lesson with some friends. And I think this is the thing is if you want to be a great presenter, then you have to start just by being a, a garbage presenter. That's okay. But if you never allow yourself to be a garbage presenter and get a little bit better every time, you're never going to be a great presenter. I couldn't agree more, Bob. As they say, every great speaker was a bad speaker at first. In the book, I share an anecdote, which is something I found while doing my research for the book. Queen, the band, which is one of my favorite bands, they didn't start at Wembley. They, as you said, they their career was super successful but if we look at it the actual career was a gradual career until they ended up at Wembley once they even played in front of one of one of the very first gigs they played in front of six people queen just in front of six six people so as you said we need to go we need to start more small maybe the first presentation you give in front of two people or maybe in front of nobody you just you and your camera you record yourself and then you've got five or six people and then you've got 20 and then you've got 50 and then maybe you stop there or maybe you end up at ted who knows step by step now i'll give you another story for our podcast i interviewed alexandra galvez who's uh, he's been she's na- she's been named linkedin top wo- top voice twice she's very prolific on on linkedin many people know her for her hashtag authentic alex she to- oh, we were talking about authenticity she talks a lot about authenticity and she shared with me her example she told me that at the beginning of her career she was terrified by public speaking and at some point she had two job offers both were great the difference was that one role did not involve public speaking. And as you said, by the way, Bob, when I say public speaking, it doesn't have to be speaking at a conference. For mm. me, I say public speaking. It could be in a business situation, communicating with your team. That's public speaking. So one role did not involve that. The other role did involve public speaking. And she deliberately chose the one that involved, that required public speaking even if she was afraid of it and she made that choice as a as a 
conscious choice, as a conscious decision because of it. And the idea is that, of course, at the beginning, it's difficult. Of course, we feel nervous. But if we make a conscious decision to do it anyway, despite the nerves, despite the anxiety, despite the challenges, if we make that decision enough times, then we will get to a point where it's much easier to do it and control the nerves and and everything that come with it. And I think to to bring it back to your book a little bit, because on the one hand, you could the listener could be forgiven for thinking Bob just thinks we need to do it enough until it's not scary. I believe that that is true. But at the same time, I believe if you do it enough with the right advice and the right tactics and the right frameworks, you will get more out of it on the journey. So if you've never done any presenting, Andrea's book will give you some really clear ways to make it simple. And if you're a great public speaker and you're doing a lot, then your book will provide some great ways to make it even better and blow people's socks off. And that's what I loved about it. It's a great book for somebody on day one or day 100. It's a book I'm going to be sharing a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I am curious maybe to pivot into a a little bit your own content marketing because you have your own podcast. What's your podcast journey been like? And are you audio only or audio and video? And what was your journey into that like? Because being a podcaster is very different from being a public speaker. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm not, I don't consider myself a a professional interviewer or podcaster. I just, I just do it because I love it. It's an opportunity to have great conversations with, with great people. And I started doing it, I think the very first interview was maybe 2019. And at the time, it wasn't even a podcast. I just, I just had inter. I, I would inter. I liked. I always liked to interview people, but it wasn't structured in a in a podcast with a name. And then eventually, maybe in twenty, yeah, maybe in twenty twenty, we officialized it as the Ideas on Stage podcast. And again, it was a gradual experience until. We, uh, by the way, it's both audio and video. I like. I like both. There are pros and cons. I think we can talk about it. But for me, I like video as well. And I'm I'm very happy because that gave me the opportunity to have conversations and interview people who, if you asked me like 10 years ago, in 2022, you're going to interview these people, I would have told you, Bob, no, you're crazy. That's that's not going to happen. One is definitely Seth Godin, but also in our in my space, public speaking, communication presenting, I interviewed Gar Reynolds, the author of Presentation Zen. For me, Everything start. My passion started when I my passion for presentations started when I was at university, and I found this book for me an amazing book, Presentations Zen by Gar Reynolds, and is on the podcast. Carmine Gallo, the author of Talk Like Ted, The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs, and many other books. Doctor John Medina, the author of an incredible book, Brain Rules, which tells us what science tells us about what works and what doesn't work also when we communicate our ideas. So an interesting journey Mm. with mistakes, with opportunities, and the main opportunity was exactly that, the opportunity to have great conversations with people who 10 years ago, I would have told you, impossible, that's not going to happen. I think it's very easy to underestimate 
as the listener, how valuable the relationships are that you build on a podcast as guest and host. I think one of the things I often ask a guest is opportunity can come through outbound sales. It can come through ads. It can come through content and content marketing, or it can come through relationships. And if you're building with relationships with people who are really stretching themselves, I think there's this whole, I'm going to call it a cliche, but your income rises to the level of the people you, the five people you spend most time with. And I think that's equally true of your ambition. It's equally true of your, of, of so many qualities. Your potential rises as well as your income, your confidence, so many aspects. And if you're spending time with people like Seth Godin, your heroes, that rubs off on you in ways that are nothing short of life-changing. For me, that's the magic of the podcast. Uh, and yeah. that's why I would never stop. And, and Bob, you, you talked about relationships, which is, which is key. The only reason why I had, again, the privilege of having a conversation with Seth is because I was introduced to him by Gar Reynolds mm. because of their relationship. So I had a relationship with Gar and I knew that Gar knew Seth. So I asked Gar if he could make the introduction. He did. And then Seth was very honest and he, he, he told me, look, the, the only reason why I'm doing this is because Gar made the introduction. And that's the power of relationships. Yeah. And it, it's extremely valuable. Andre, I'm very aware of the time. I don't want to abuse you for any longer than I need to. There was one thing in the book that I'm going to mention that I think it's really important people can play with, which was your scorecard, which is very cool. Do you want to maybe just talk a little bit about the scorecard? Thank you. Yeah, it's it's we call it the Confident Presenter Scorecard. People can Google it also, Confident Presenter Scorecard. And it's a very simple tool. It's an online tool, free, which allows you to assess your current presentation skills against the key principles I cover in the book. In the book, I cover, I talk about the five key principles for powerful presentations. So in just three minutes, you just need to answer a few questions, very simple, yes and no. And then it allows you to assess your presentation skills against these key principles. And what happens is you, you answer the questions, you get a score. The, the tool will tell you what that score means for you and then he also suggests opportunities for improvement. So yeah, if people want to check it out, that that that's that's great. Everybody loves a blind spot. Andre, you have been great fun. I think we're going to speak again. But for the moment, if people want to connect with you, if they want to go further with you, how would you like them to get in touch other than buying the book? Yeah, thank you. The the, the main the main thing would be LinkedIn. So I'm I'm active. That's my favorite. Um, social media, if you want, or platform, LinkedIn, people can find me there with my, my Andrea Pacini. Our website is ideasonstage.com. So these are the two places. I will put a link to that in the show notes. And I must not forget, I have generally never forget this. I did forget once recently. What's one thing you do now that you wish you started five years ago? I think it's what we've just done, Bob, like having conversations, not for my podcast, but having conversations with great people like you for great podcasts. I think that guest podcasting is also 
very interesting and useful in many ways. It brings lots of benefits as well on top of the main thing, which is, again, being able to build relationships with great people, have meaningful conversations. This is not something that, this is not, for example, the first conversation I have as, as a guest. I've, I've, I've had many conversations like this, but I didn't, I don't think I started doing it five years ago. So perhaps if I could go back, I would start doing this guest podcasting a bit earlier. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think podcast guesting, I've discovered, and I haven't done all that much of it. If anybody has a podcast and listening, hit me up. I'm wide open. But something I found was at the beginning, it was a like like we described earlier, the, the, the unified theory of everything. How do I get this across? It's so important to be able to get your talking points down and get to the point where you can be succinct and to the point and bring value. It's a wonderful thing. And being a podcast guest on a regular basis is a great way to hone that. And I can see you've been a guest before. You're really, really good at it. Andre, you have been great fun. I am really grateful for your time today. For you, the listener at home, that does bring us to the end of another episode. Thank you to you for listening. And if you have enjoyed the show, then I would gently encourage you to leave a five-star review. That's five, like the fingers on your hand, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you did enjoy the show, then you will also love the Personal Brand Business Roadmap. It's everything you need to start, scale, or fix your business. And it's 100% free as a gift from me. It's 50 pages. Just click the link on the show notes or just visit amplifyme.agency forward slash roadmap. Andre, thanks for your time and your home. See you next week. Thank you both.